All right, so 1 Timothy chapter number 3, and we'll begin in verse 14. If you found your place, say amen. amen. All right, let's jump right in here. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received right on up to glory. Amen. Amen. This is going to be a good one. Amen. All right, let's pray and we'll jump right in here, all right? Lord, thank you so much for your blessings. Thank you for uh, the good crowd that's here tonight. We're here to study. We're here to learn. We're here to grow. Uh, Lord, just speak to us. Help us uh, as we mature and develop and, and, and strengthen our Christian walk today. Thank you for the privilege we have to be here. Lord, thank you that we have freedom now, Lord, not all churches have this right now in America, and, and we, we thank you for this, this privilege that we have. Uh, Lord, for so long we've taken, taken it for granted, but not anymore. Lord, this is a privilege. This is not, I don't have to go to church. I didn't have to be here tonight. I get to be here. And Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray that you'll bless your word, use it for your glory, bless your saints. In Jesus' name, don't let me say anything that I don't need to say or shouldn't say. Don't let me forget anything that's important that I need to say. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. We, we, we titled tonight uh, the lesson, The Church. The Church. Uh, if we did a survey, if we did a survey in the house tonight, uh, you know, we could say, uh, how long have you been in church or been part of the church? And, and there's probably uh, tons of different answers you'd get uh, from, from being in the, from a year all the way up into 30 or 40 years. You know, just been in church your whole life. And, and what happens is, is it, churches, churches have a tendency to be different. Have y'all noticed that? How many of y'all attended more than one church in your life? Okay, almost all of us. How many of y'all notice that a lot of them are different? Okay, now... Here's what we need to learn. There is one church. There is one church. There is the body of Christ. Now, we don't like using, we don't like using the word universal because it just gives the implication. Well, I'm not even going to go there. Anyway, because we, we focus on the local New Testament church. The one church is made up of many communities of people together making up the body of Christ. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. And, and we, we, the, the, the problem is, is there's so many different kinds of churches that, that there are so many things that influence the way a church is and the way a church behaves. Now, we all know they're not all the same, and they don't act the same, and they don't behave the same. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. But this is what we got to see. This is what we got to see. What does the Bible say about it? 
You know, what does the Bible say a church should be? What does the Bible say a church should behave and how it should respond and, and the things of that nature? And that's, what, that's kind of where I want to go with this uh, here tonight. So let's go back in, in your notes. If you look at the top of your notes, I put a couple verses there so, for us to look at. And let's just examine the church tonight, all right? Matthew 16, 18. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my, my church. It's the first time we find this in the New Testament, all right? The church. Up until this point, if you've been following along with us on Sunday mornings, uh, you, we have been going through uh, the New Testament. We've been going through the book of Matthew, and we found out that Jesus came to establish his kingdom, right? The king, the prince, uh, the promised Messiah. Uh, the one who was promised to, to King David that from your lineage, there's going to be a king come that will reign forever and ever. He is the promised king who is speaking about a kingdom from the very beginning. From the time he hit the road in his ministry, he started talking about a kingdom. Are y'all with me? Say amen. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So he's, he's teaching about a kingdom. He's preaching about a kingdom. He's trying to get, John Baptist was to get the nation of Israel and keep in mind when we talk about kingdom, it's talking about the nation of Israel. All right. Restoring the kingdom. But what happened? He came into his own and his own. They received him not. They rejected him. They rejected the king. So what happens? We have found out we have found out recently that in the book of Matthew, he started talking about the kingdom first. Well, when they rejected their king, he changed his topic and he changed it, what his focus was on. It wasn't on a kingdom. Now it was on a church. Y'all with me? Now he's talking about, I will build my, I will build my church. I will build my church. So this is the first time Jesus starts talking about this. Now, what is a church? What is a church? Let's look at some definitions, all right? Let's look at some definitions. Look down uh, in, in your notes and, well, y'all got black and white. Mine's blue, okay? Or y'all don't get the color version, but look at the word church. Uh, ecclesia, ecclesia, all right? It means a called out assembly. That's your Greek word, okay? The Greek, remember the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. So we have the Greek word for church is ecclesia, which means a what? Okay, now let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Called out. Called out of what? Called out of everybody else. Okay, all the people of the earth. All the people of the earth. There's a certain group that has been called out. In other words, God is looking at people and say, come and follow me. Come and believe on me. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So the people that believe on the Lord Jesus, he calls them out. And when he calls them out, what do they do? They assemble. If you are a called out assembly, what do you do after you're called out? Okay, y'all are a little slow tonight. Okay, that's why we're here tonight. That's why we're here tonight. The church is a called out assembly. So, so this, is, this is why it's so important that you disconnect the church from the building. The church is not the, listen, it's not the building. The building is not the church. You are the church meeting in this building. Does that make sense? Now, if we was down by the river, we'd be the church meeting down by the river. Are y'all with me? 
Now let me, let me prove it. Let me prove it. Now skip the second set of verses and we'll come back to them. Okay? 1 Corinthians no, 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 no. Let's just go ahead and do the second one. And then we'll, let's, it has a flow here, all right? So Jesus starts talking about, Jesus starts talking about the church. All right, his people deny him. His people reject him. They don't want the king. They killed the king, by the way, crucified him. They murdered their king. So Jesus is changing. Now we're talking about a church. He said, and instead of establishing the kingdom, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church, okay? I'm going to build a group of called out people that's separated from the world, that's different from everybody else. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And they're going to be part of my spiritual reign, okay? We're part of his spiritual kingdom right now. The church is. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now, he was preaching a literal physical kingdom, but when they rejected him, now it is a spiritual kingdom in the hearts and lives of his called out assembly called the, does that make sense? All right, now we go on to Acts, Acts chapter 2. Jesus has gone back to heaven. He told the disciples to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come in chapter number 2. Uh, Peter preaches an unbelievable sermon. Uh, they get under conviction and they want to get saved. Acts two forty one. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized the same day were added. Say that when were added unto who was them the church all right it was the original believers there all right those in the in, in the upper room praying or, or those that were gathered praying all right and they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine fellowship breaking of bread in prayers fear came upon every soul many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and good and parted them to all men as every man had need and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God, here we go, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church, church all right, added to the assembly, okay, we have the assembly that comes out. They were praying in the upper room, right? And, and so we have thousands here who have believed. Now they're believed. They, they now have been, come on, called out, called out. And so they are called out. Now they are doing what with the rest of them? Assembling. Are y'all catching on? Y'all catching on? A called out assembly. Now, so this is how it's working. They are hearing the gospel. Many more people are being Come on. And then they are. Oh, y'all with me? Let's try it again just so you don't forget. They are being. And then they begin to. Assemble. Is everybody with me? Say amen. Now, watch this. Watch this. This is going to prove that the church is not the building. This, the church is not the building. The church is those who are called out and. Assembling. Watch this right here. Watch this right here. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 16, 19. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church. Now watch where they're at. That is in their house. So there was, a, there was an assembly of called out people who were meeting in Aquila and Priscilla's house. Does that make sense? 
So wherever the church, the called out people who assemble together happen to meet, that's the church. It could be in a house. It could be down by the river. It could be up on a mountain. It could be downtown. Body shop. Hello. That, my friend, is the church. You're the church. You're the church. You're the body of Christ. You're the ones he was talking about. When he said, I will build my church, you is what was on his mind. It's not good English, but you get it. Are y'all with me? And guess what he's still doing? He's still building his church. He's still calling them out. He's still adding them to. There are people every week that he's calling out of the world, out of darkness into light, out of death into life. Say amen. And he's adding into those who are assembling. Say amen. And this is just the intro. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So now do we have a clear understanding what the church is? When they tell you, where's the church? Don't say on the corner of Campground Road no more. Say, well, that place where we hang out at, the church is everywhere. We're the church. We're the church. You are who he was talking about, all right? We may meet here. We may meet in, in, in Bondo shop. We may meet in, 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 in an office building. We may meet in a, in a lunch room. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, now look here. Here's some things we need to know about the church. Verse number 15. <clears throat> verse number 15. Now in verse 14, Paul is telling him, I, I, I'm, I'm writing this letter to you. Everything we've already covered up until this point and everything we cover after this in this letter. And by the way, verses 1 or chapter 1 through 3 is really the positive. And then chapters 4 to the end is negative. You know, he's warning, giving them negative warnings. But he's saying, I'm writing all this stuff for a purpose. And that purpose is this. If I tarry long and I can't get back here, he says, I want you to know how you need to behave yourself in the house of God. Now, when we see that house of God there, that word house literally means household. Household. Like, uh, uh, remember when, you remember when uh, uh, Joshua, you remember when Joshua was speaking, and he said, uh, he said, as for me and my house. He wasn't talking about the tent he was in. He was talking about his family. Does that make sense? His household. He said, as for me and my house, my children, my wife, my, uh, anybody that's in my influence, we're going to serve the Lord. Does that make sense? Well, what he's saying here, he is saying everybody in the household. In other words, he's saying, uh, Miss Diane needs to know how to behave. Uh, Malcolm needs to know how to behave. Willie G needs to know how to behave. Travis Shaw needs to know how to behave. <laughs> Mr. Brown needs to know how to behave. Are y'all with me? That's who he's talking about, the people. What, how, do we, how do we behave in the household, okay? But this is what you got to get. Write this down. Here's, here's part of our notes here, okay? First we see in these two verses, and it's all going to come out of these two verses. First we see the master of the church. <clears throat> the master of the church. 
it says you need to know how to behave yourself in the house of God, the household, the family of, come on everybody, of, of God. And then he says this, then he says this, the church, the called out assembly, y'all with me? The called out assembly of the living God. So what does that tell us? Two things. First, we see ownership here. We see ownership. Who does the church belong to? God. It doesn't belong to a high personality preacher. It doesn't belong to a group of deacons. It doesn't belong to a certain influential family. It doesn't belong to a certain clique. It doesn't belong to some person in the church who... Uh, like Diotrephes wants preeminence in the church. Hey, by the way, by the way, watch this now. We, we can all say, yeah, that's right. I've seen all them in churches. Guess what, it, what else it doesn't belong to? The majority vote. In other words, if the majority votes in the church to do something against this book, the majority loses. You say, are you really seeing that? Open your eyes, people. We see denominations who are ordaining homosexuals and ordaining women pastors and changing stuff in the church because the majority voted for it to happen. Well, guess what? The majority don't own the church. Whose church is it? It's the one that wrote the book. It's the one. You say, how do you know he owns it? Well, let me help you. Let me help you. We see his ownership. Acts 20, 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost have made you overseers to feed the which he has with his own. He has a right to tell you what to do because he owns the church. He purchased the church with his own blood. He is the owner. He doesn't have to claim it. It's already his. He is the owner. This is the church of the living God. This is is the body of Christ. He is the owner. He is in charge. Yes, amen. Well, I just won't be a part of this assembly. Okay. Let me give you another verse, Lone Ranger. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God. Watch this now, Lone Ranger. And you, you individual, independent, rebellious person, you are not your For ye, the individual, are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are not only does he own the assembly, he owns the individual. Well, I don't like that preaching. I don't like that assembly. I don't like that book. I can be a Christian without going to church. No, ma'am, because you don't belong to yourself anymore. He bought you with a price and he has a right to tell you what to do. 
And what he told you to do is to not forsake thee of yourselves together. And all God's people say it. I'll go to one I got to vote. Pour to it. But it won't be his church. There's a lot of buildings. And there's a lot of assemblies. But that don't mean they're all called out. Because if they're voting to be like what God called them from, they're not out. Are y'all with me? So the master of the church we see. This word shows us ownership. The word ownership means legal claim, exclusive right of possession. I think that says it pretty clear. But then B, we see his authority. His authority in the church. Legal power, watch this now. Legal power, right to command or to act. So if the church is the house of God, the household of God, the church is the church of the living God, we see his ownership, but then we see his authority. Look at this verse, Colossians 1.18. And he, talking about Christ, and he is the head. Now before we go any further, let's read the definition of head. All right, it's right below there. The definition of head is this, a a chief, a principal person, a a leader, a commander, one who has the first rank or place, and to whom others are He is the commander. He's the chief. He's the principal person. He's the leader. He's the one who is first rank or place. To whom all others are subordinate. He's the owner. And we submit. We submit. Say that with me. We submit to his command. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Watch this. This is good. This is good. Watch this. Many churches, many churches operate according to tradition. Tradition. I have sat with people. I have sat with people. I had a guy come in one time. I'm sitting at my desk. And he lays a stack of papers on my desk this high. That he copy and paste it off the internet. Now how many of y'all know, no matter what you believe, you can find somebody, if you believe we came from pink polka dotted aliens <laughs> from a planet far away, you can find somebody to back you up. Bonjour. Amen. He had a stack this high. God is my witness. I'm telling you. 
Well, normally, probably now, I probably wouldn't even do it. I'd just dismiss it. But at that time, I was a little more immature, and I was a little nervous and scared. And so I took that whole stack home and went through it line by line, every, every page. Every page. I come back. They came back. Because I told them, I'll look at it. I'll check it out, man. If I'm doing something, this my Bible says. So he comes in, sits down, and I have his stack. And then I lay my Bible beside the stack. And I said, I went through every bit of that. I said, now, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. All of this is man's opinion. But if you can take this Bible right here and show me something I'm not doing that I'm supposed to be or that I am doing that I'm not supposed to be, let's do it. He immediately stood up, red-faced as can be, and started casting personal accusations. You ain't never liked us. I'm like, I just read your stack, man. You'll hug everybody, won't hug us. That's what happens when they get caught. When they can't support their argument, they, the Pharisees did it in the, New, in the New Testament. When Jesus would catch them and they had no answer, they automatically get personal and start attacking. That's a fact. But see, what happens is, is I wasn't leading according to his traditional background. And I wasn't doing it like he had seen it done a lot. Are y'all with me? And so what happens is churches begin to be ran by tradition. Now, not all tradition is bad. Not all tradition is bad. There's some good tradition. Cornbread and collard greens is good. It's a great tradition. Fried pork chops with gravy and rice. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying throw out every tradition, but if the tradition is not supported by the scriptures, chunk the tradition. And really chunk the tradition if it begins to hinder the scriptures. Oh, you're just fishing now. No, I'm not fishing. Jesus said, you have, you have caused the word of God to be of none effect by your tradition. Amen. Your man-made rules. Listen, tradition doesn't run the church. The scriptures run the church. Not only, not only in many churches does tradition dictate what happens in the church, but I'm sad to say culture Culture dictates what happens in the church. I just, I, just read, I just read where a mega church pastor has, 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 is declaring that abortion is consistent with Christianity. That's a fact. That's, that's, that's what was said. Number one, he ain't no pastor. Because number two, he don't know his Bible. 
Number three, he has allowed the culture to creep in and now the culture is running the church. Because in the culture, that has gotten popular. Just like every other demonic sin that's out there. We can't allow what's politically correct to affect and dictate decisions that are made. And and listen, the steps that are taken in this place. Because it's not mine. It's not yours. It's not this community's. This is the church of the living God. Sad to say, sad to say, tradition really has an influence on what churches do. Culture personalities personalities this is so dangerous this is so dangerous because when you have somebody that's very charismatic and 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 very likable and a a huge people person and people fall in love with the personality and when you fall in love with a personality sometimes it blinds you to the flaws of the person This was a this was a tough this was a tough deal for me. This was a tough deal for me. All these anyway, I don't want to get there. Lord help me. Don't I'm glad you stopped me. I asked you to stop me, you stopped me. My heroes have been preachers. That's all that's, that's all I've, that's the only heroes I ever had. Never had no sports figures, heroes. Didn't collect baseball cards. I didn't have posters on my walls. When I was growing up as a kid, we'd have revivals. We'd have camp meetings. There'd be pre- preachers come in from everywhere, and all the kids would be out on the playground. Not me. I'm all up in the, in the fellowship hall right. creeping. <laughs> Listening to their stories. Listening to what they were doing in their ministries. And, man, I was just so intrigued. And I was just, man, it was just, all, and I, I man, they were, they were like way up here. And then the older I got, I started finding out this one cheated on his wife with another preacher's wife. This one over here, this one over here had an issue that just, oh my goodness. This one over here. And I started seeing these flaws. Because I held them to such esteem that they were perfect. Now guess what? That's not their fault. That was what I did. There's what I did. Because I held them to way too high a platform. And when the platform's real high, when they fall, it's painful. And they were just, you know, men are just men at best. They're all good guys who've who've made mistakes. And I'm not saying all of my heroes have made the type of mistakes that disqualify them out of ministry, but they all, it was just just such a a traumatic thing for me as a little kid to see that they had flaws. And see, that is the reason that we don't fall in love with a personality. I want you to love me. Don't get me wrong. I like being like. I don't want nobody not to like me. But I don't want us to get so caught up with a personality that when there is something seen that may be anti-biblical or against the scriptures that we, we care so much about the person that we're not sticking with the book. 
Does this make sense? Because no matter who the personality is behind the platform or on the platform behind the podium, it doesn't matter who their personality is. What runs and dictates every decision should be based on what this book says. And all God's people say it. Amen. Now watch this. Number two. Number two. We see the master of the church. It's the church of the living God. Jesus is the head. He has preeminence. He's the boss. All right, number two, write this down. We see the mission of the church. This is important. Say, why do we need to know this so we don't do the wrong stuff? Right? I mean, it's a terrible thing. Climb up the ladder, and when we get to the top, we find out we're on the wrong building. I know, so I mean, hee, 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 hee. But you know there's churches all over America that's doing this? They've got their branches spread out so much in so many different things that they're not accomplishing the thing. They've got a ministry for this and a ministry for that and ministry. And none of them, you can't, you can't find any of them in the Bible. So if we're going to be real honest, there's a bunch of churches that don't know what their mission is. Amen. Let's look what the Bible says. If I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. So he's the master. He's the boss. He's in charge. He's the owner. He has authority. But what is the church? It is the pillar and ground of the truth. The pillar and ground of the truth. It is the foundation. It is the support system of the truth. Now, let's see what the truth is. John 17, 17. Look in your notes. John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Say that part again. All right. So the church. The church. What, what is this? You just read it, people. It's the truth. It's the word, but what is the word? The truth. All right, the church. Now, what is the church again? It's the called out assembly of people. It's all y'all in here. So it's all of our mission to support and hold up the truth. That's why you need to have it with you when you get here. I see it on the screen, Rev. You can't take that screen home. You can't take it to Walmart. Hello. The centerpiece of our mission is the truth. We hold up and support the truth. Are y'all with me? Look at look at what's in. Look, look at this next sentence. This is great. The, help me, the, what is the truth? It's the divine revelation. Let me say that again. It's the, think, have you, have, when's the last time you, you, you really thought about this? What is divine? It's godlike. It's deity. Heavenly. 
if it's divine revelation, this means this is words that came out of heaven. It's divine. It's not some writer's opinion. It, it is not the Wall Street Journal. It is, oh, it is what God wanted you to know. So what about this? What about that? What about this? What about, I, well, there's a lot of things I don't know. And there's a lot of things God didn't want us to know. But what he did want us to know is right here. It is the divine revelation. It is what God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all this earth, chose to reveal to us. And this is a warehouse. A big one. It's a warehouse. Y'all have been in a big warehouse? I'm talking about one you got to have a golf cart to get around in. I mean, it's a big warehouse. There's so much information here. There is so much truth here. There is so much divine revelation here. This book will tell you how to live. This book will tell you how to die. This book will tell you how to have mercy. This book will tell you what to do with your finances. This book will tell you, listen, how to forgive. It will tell you how to heal when somebody's hurt you. I mean, this is a warehouse full of divine revelation. But the most specific revelation that we have been entrusted with is the gospel itself. This contains, this is a warehouse full of divine revelation. But right in the middle of it, is the Holy Grail. It's the most important thing. It's the most important section. It's the most important box we could un- uncover and show to the world. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the theme of this Bible. He's the treasure of this Bible. He's the truth of this Bible. If you look in this Bible from the Old Testament and the New Testament, how many of y'all seen them viewfinders before? Put that little disc in there and you look through two eyepieces, but you only see one picture. If you look through the lens of the Old Testament and look through the lens of the New Testament, all you see is Jesus. Say amen. Listen, the Old Testament is he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. The Gospels is he's here, he's here, he's here, he's here. And throughout the rest, he's coming again, he's coming again, he's coming again. It's the Gospel. We hold forth the Gospel, the truth, the Word, the Scriptures. Now, if we're the pillar in ground, If we're the foundation, we hold it up. Just like those pillars in Ephesus. Remember, remember, that's the visual. Okay? They're in Ephesus and and, and, and that crazy cultish temple's up on the hill. And all those pillars are holding up the roof. That's the the image. We're holding up the word. This is the most important thing. This is the most significant thing. I love good choirs. I love good prayer. Listen, I love all these things, but this is the most significant thing we have. Listen. It doesn't say we're the pillar of praise. 
Although praise is real important. It doesn't say we're the pillar of preaching. It says we're the pillar of truth. Truth. You say, why do you say that? Because you got to preach to give the truth. Yeah, but I've heard a lot of preaching that wasn't the truth. And your preaching ain't preaching unless you're preaching. Amen. Watch this now. The truth is the divine revelation, including the truth of the gospel. We have the truth of the gospel in this warehouse. We have the content of the Christian faith. What to believe, what not to believe, what to obey, what not to obey, what to, what to uh, 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 believe, what not to believe, how to do everything that needs to be done as a Christian. So what do we see here? According to this verse, if we're the pillar and ground of truth, read this last sentence with me real slow. The church, I need some more people. Help me. The church is responsible for the stewardship of the gospel. Stewardship of the gospel. In other words, God is entrusted to us The good news. The word gospel means good news. Say it with me. It means. And God has made you stewards. Now what is a steward? A steward is one who manages the affairs of another. In other words, if I was a steward of, of, uh, 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 what's your name, son? Travis. If I was a steward of, of Travis Incorporated, I would be responsible for the spending, the buying, the purchasing, the selling of his, his estate. He trusts me with it. He trusts me to be honest with it. He trusts me to do him right. He trusts me to buy low and sell high. Are y'all with me? He trusts me with this. He believes I'll do right by it. And what happened when Jesus went back to heaven, he has left the good news of salvation, the good news of Jesus. He's entrusted it with us. I want to ask you a question. Can he? Have you been good stewards of the gospel? If you stuck it back somewhere and haven't shared it, then you're not a good steward. Shouting has come to a drastic end. Okay. You let me tell you why America's on fire right now. Because the church hasn't been the pillar and ground of truth. Well, how do you know that? Because you turn on the TV, which is a reflection of our world. It's a reflection of our community, our country. And you cannot find the truth. Oh yeah, preacher, just turn over there on that conservative network. Come on. You tell me they haven't gotten political now? They're all political. Now, come on, just for one second, quit being a D and an R for a minute. Just one minute. 
you're slow, that's Democrat and Republican. <laughs> Can we all at least agree that when we turn on the TV, we don't know what to believe? We don't know if it's the You know why? Because the church in America has ceased to be the pillar and ground of truth. You have churches that are not not just ignoring wickedness, but endorsing wickedness. When this guy stands up and says abortion is in line with Christianity, he don't know the truth. I'm not talking about an atheist on the street corner. I'm talking about a man who claims to preach the truth. Are y'all with me? So what do we need to do? How do we need to do this? Here's 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 how we are the pillar and ground of truth. First thing we do, hey, write it down. First thing we got to do is read it. That would be a good start. All of the church, now, 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 now keep on. Here we go, here we go. All of the church are the called out people who, that means, that means it's the people. What do we need to do if we're going to be the pillar and ground of truth? We got to read it. Now, if we're going to read it, we got to know where it is. You got to go. You got to go in your closet. You got to look under the bed. You got to find your Bible because you can't read it if you can't find it. And if you don't have one, let me know. I, I'm not. I'm not meaning to say I want you to have a Bible. Get a Bible. Well, preacher, I'm just not a good reader. That's no excuse. That's no excuse because there is apps on every phone that you can punch it in and it'll read it to you. Let me help you with something. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the... So that means if you're not a good reader, I don't care if you can't even read. If you can punch it in and... It's going to do the same thing. But we got to read it. We got to quit neglecting it. We got to open our Bibles. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. knowledge. A lack of knowledge. That means they're ignorant. They're lacking the truth. That's why there's so many people in bondage today. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth doesn't make you free. Knowing the truth does. It cannot make you free unless you know it. Are y'all with me? So the first thing we got to do is read it. Second thing we got to do is meditate on it. Meditate on it. Watch this. Watch this. <clears throat> John 1, 8. This book of the law, this is right before, this is God's encouragement to Joshua right before he goes into the promised land. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate, thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way. Whoop, look at there. 
Then thou shalt make thy way. And then thou shalt have. Hey, that's prosperity preaching. And it didn't have nothing to do with send me 1999. He's saying you'll be prosperous if you'll read this and meditate on it. I haven't heard near one of them TV preachers say that. They say if you'll plant a seed of $99 and we will... This is the only prosperity verses in the Bible. And guess what it's centered around? The truth. Isn't that amazing? Watch this. I got some more. That's not, let's see if it's a coincidence. Psalms 1 1. Blessed, and by the way, blessed, if you look that word up in Webster's dictionary, it means happy. Say it with me. Happy. Happy, happy, happy. Right? Happy. Happy is the man. That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That means the scriptures, the truth. And in his truth, that law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall... We got confirmation, y'all. You mean to tell me my prosperity and success is going to be determined on what I do with this book? That's exactly what I'm telling you. Well, I tell you what, I'm crooked as a snake and I've got all kind of money. You can't enjoy it, though. Because you're constantly worried about somebody's going to get it from you. Go ahead and buy a bed. See if you can find, buy some sleep. Buy the biggest steak in town and see if you can purchase an appetite. I'm going to leave it alone because I'm out of time. Let me tell you what meditate means. Some of you already know where I'm going. How many of y'all got some cows? Come on, Mark, raise your hand. I know you got some cows. Okay. How many y'all? How many y'all know what a cow is? <laughs> Ever seen a cow? You know, me. Why are you laughing, Belisa? <laughs> a cow will chew its cud. Do you know that's that's how you define meditate? Now, for you city slickers in here. What that means, when a cow is chewing its cud, it has chewed some grass previously and stuck it in a pouch and has brought it back up to chew on it some more. <laughs> to get all the goody out of it. Come on, Caitlin, you've seen them cows. You say, what is that cow doing with that grass? He's a meditating on it. In other words, he's, done, he's chewed it already, but he's brought it back up. Now, what does that mean to, with the scriptures? Because you've read the scripture yesterday, but you've been thinking about it all day today. 
You read last night, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law doth he meditate day and night. Bless God Almighty, he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water. Are y'all with me? And you'll be driving that line more. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed, that's right. His tree, man, he's going to have, he's going to prosper. He's, woo, and you're going, you're meditating. Now, now, some of y'all are really liking this because I'm enjoying it. But you'll never know how powerful the practice of meditating on scripture is. Some of the best preaching that I ever get to do and truth that ever comes out is something I've been thinking about and percolating all week. And I've been meditating on it. And I've been thinking on it. And I wake up in the morning. I have to hurry up and get me a piece of paper and write it down. Sometimes I wake Tammy up in the middle of the night and say, write it down, write it down. Because <laughs> I've done chewed on it. But all of a sudden, God gives me a truth. I'm going I'm to make some of you mad right here. Yeah, uh oh. The next one is study. Now, I'm going to, you go and write it down. I can't tell you how many times, I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. Preacher, I just, man, I tell you, I read that. I just didn't get what you got. You know why? You're chewing on what I've done regurgitating. I'm spoon-feeding you. You may tell you what will happen if you'll read something and then think about it all week. You'll come to me and say, Preacher, let me show you what I got. But you know what? We're not going to do that. And the reason we're not going to do that is because that takes work. Watch this. Watch this. We study it. Look, read what I put beside that. It requires thinking. Look at the word study. <clears throat> to apply the mind, to read, to examine for the purpose of learning and understanding. You know what we want to do? Everybody look at me. We're probably not going to finish this one either, so just it's all right. Here's what we want to do. We want to pick up the Bible and go. I didn't get nothing. I've done that before and I didn't get nothing. Sometimes I'll read a portion of scripture 30 times. It's not how much you get is that you get. I would rather you read one verse 50 times and think about it all week and then the Lord say, let me show you something. Then to speed read 10 pages a day and tell me you had 50 pages read and then can't tell me what they said. But see, study, according to Solomon, 
according to Solomon, and I'm pretty sure he was a smart guy. According to scriptures, he had a supernatural wisdom. So he's the smartest guy ever to live before or after, period. And you know what he said about study? And this, this, might, this might give us the answer why nobody wants to do it. He said, much study is weariness to the flesh. That's what it means. That's what he said. That's why we can sit in front of a TV with Netflix for hours. Because it does not require thinking. Now look, y'all are the cream of the crop, guys. I got to be able to tell y'all what I need to tell you. I mean, I have been calling Sunday morning people sissies, so I don't know, you know. (laughs) But y'all are here. And you're wanting to learn. And you're wanting to grow or you wouldn't be here. And I promise you, y'all are my heroes. So I'm not, I know I'm preaching to the choir when I say this, but I, I need y'all to understand. You will get, all. you don't need any commentaries or me to baby feed you. Get a 1828 Webster's Dictionary, read a verse, and then meditate on it. Just simmer on it. Just think about it. And here's a novel idea. Say, God, what does this mean? He's not up in heaven saying, nope, guess again. (laughs) He wants you to know. He wants you to know. Now watch this. A, if we're going to be the pillar and ground of truth, A, we must read it. it. B, we must. C, we must. Study it. D, we must obey it. See, that's why in micro church, this is so important. That's why we have an I will statement at the end of the study. The I will statement, we pass out cards for all everybody. Because of what I learned tonight, I will this week, whatever it is God told you in the study. Why? Because the Bible says, be ye doers of the word, not Ears only. Can you imagine if every one that professed to be a Christian would actually do the word? There wouldn't be no riots right now. I'm not talking about the atheists doing it. I'm just talking about just the one that claimed to be Christians would actually do the word. Amazing. We got to obey it. Then E, we have to proclaim it. We're not being a pillar and ground of truth if we hide the truth from everybody. It says, preach the gospel to every creature. To every creature. We got to proclaim it. We're barely over, so we're going to finish. Without controversy means you can take it to the bank. That's what that means. It means this is a truth that everyone agrees on. There's no doubt about it. So when he says, when he says, and without controversy, he's saying you can take this to the bank. There's no doubt about it. Great is the mystery of godliness. Now, what is the mystery of godliness? It's something revealed that was once hidden. You see, the reason the Jews didn't understand the church because they never heard of it before. 
The whole idea of the church was never mentioned in the Old Testament. It was all about the kingdom. It was hidden. It was hidden. The gospel. What is the gospel? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, for by grace you are saved through faith. That was hidden. But it was revealed in the New Testament. You see, number three, or the last one, this is the message of the church. The message of the church. Watch this, how this works. And by the way, this was, this was a, a New Testament hymn. The next words, that, these next lines, it was a song that they would sing. Okay? Now watch this. God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the spirit. That's the second line. Seen of angels. Third line. Preached unto the Gentiles. Fourth line. Believed on in the world. Received up into glory. Four things. Write this down. What is our message? The incarnation of Christ. He was seen. God was manifest in the flesh. The word manifest means to see. Revealed. Uncovered. In other words, stay with me now, stay with me. This, this, is, this is theology right here. Jesus did not begin to exist in the manger. He began to exist in the form of a man. Jesus always has been and always will be. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit always has been, always will be. They were in eternity past and will be in eternity future. Are y'all with me? John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So what is this saying? It's the incarnation of Christ. It is the moment. It is the moment. That God made himself visible to the human eye. Because the Bible says that God is invisible. He is a spirit. But in the incarnation, when Jesus was born in the manger, all of a sudden the human eye could see God. I wish I had time for this, but I don't. He's God. We see the incarnation of Christ. Then B. We see the vindication of Christ. The Bible says he was justified in the spirit. Now, where do we get that? Romans 1, 4. Let me flip over there real quick. I, I'll hurry, I, I'll hurry. Romans 1, 4. Watch this now, watch this now. Well, back in verse 3, it says, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. So we're knowing we're talking about Jesus here, right? Yeah. We're talking about Jesus. It says, and declared to be the Son of God. Declared, justified, vindicated. Declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by, here's how he vindicated him, by the resurrection from the dead. Now, preacher, what are you saying? When Jesus come up out of the ground, that was vindication that he was who he said he was, that he was the sinless Son of God. Because if he had any sin of his own, he would have stayed dead. Because the sting of sin is death. Are y'all with me? 
And when the Holy Spirit brought him back from the dead, he vindicated him, justified him, and said, He is who he said he is. Say amen. amen. So in this, we have the death, burial, and resurrection of the incarnate Messiah. So we have, the, we have the incarnation of Christ. We have the vindication of Christ. Then we have the proclamation of Christ. Look what it says. I lost my place. Look what it says. He was seen of angels and preached unto the Gentiles. Now here's the thing. All through, do you realize angels are connected to Jesus from the time he was born in the manger to the time he ascended up into glory? Angels pronounced his birth. Angels ministered to him when he was in the, in the wilderness being tempted of the devil. Angels ministered unto him when he was in the garden praying and sweat became his great drops of blood. Do you realize that they are condemned chained angels in the abyss that he went to? When he died, he went and proclaimed his victory over them. Say amen. There was angels at his tomb when he resurrected. When he stepped on a cloud and hit the glory button and went up and they stood gazing. Listen, angels came and said, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus that left, he's going to come back in like manner as you say amen. Amen. He was seen of angels. But then he was preached to the Gentiles. What happened with the church? Son, they started preaching Jesus. Everywhere they went, they preached Jesus. Everywhere they stood, they preached Jesus. Listen, they were persecuted and scattered abroad, and they preached Jesus, and the Gentiles believed. Let me tell you why you're here tonight. Because they preached Jesus. Are y'all with me? And then, and then, last of all, <clears throat> we see the exaltation of Christ. You see, the message of the church is the incarnation of Christ. It's the vindication of Christ. It's the proclamation of Christ. It's the exaltation of Christ. He was received up into glory. We serve the risen Savior. He's the exalted Son of God. Are y'all with me? God hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth. Listen, every knee will bow to Jesus Christ. Because He's our exalted Lord. Now what's the point? Here's the point. If your message that you're proclaiming, that you're holding forth, is not the message of Christ, it's the wrong message. Paul said we preach Christ and Him crucified. Peter preached Jesus. Paul preached Jesus. We all need to preach Jesus. It is amazing to me the amount of sermon. And I listen to a lot. Y'all think y'all have to hear a lot of preaching. I hear a lot. And it will blow your mind how many sermons that are being preached in America that you never hear the name Jesus. It is frightening. But Jesus is the theme of the Bible. He's the treasure of the Bible. He's the truth of the Bible. You know what this world needs? Jesus. 
Jesus. And all God's people say it.